This is Made in Montana News on the Treasure State Radio Network. I'm Jay Scott. A bill heard Tuesday at the Montana Legislature aims to increase the number of modestly priced homes available to Montana residents by limiting local government ability to regulate what homes may be built on properties of a certain size. House Bill 337, sponsored by Representative Katie Zudnokov of Billings, would dictate that local governments can't require minimum lot sizes bigger than 2,500 feet in areas served by municipal water and sewer systems. Zolnikoff and other proponents told members of the House Local Government Committee Tuesday that minimum lot sizes enshrined in local zoning codes are one of many factors that constrain the state's housing supply. Land costs are a major component of the cost of new housing, they said, and developers typically build larger, less affordable homes on larger lots. The bill was opposed by a string of local government officials who argued that passing it would strip authority for land use decisions away from people who are best positioned to assess the situation and needs of a local community. Kelly Lynch The executive director of the Montana League of Cities and Towns says local governments plan to introduce an alternative land use planning and housing measure that's been in the works for more than a year. Lynch acknowledged that smaller lot sizes might be a good housing strategy, but said they should be considered as part of a comprehensive planning reform. Supporters point to some Montana cities, like Helena, that have acted independently of the legislature to strike minimum lot sizes from their development codes. 4,000 square foot minimums in its residential zoning code. Kalispell's code requires 20,000 square feet. Housing affordability advocates and one of the state's prominent environmental groups. Opponents included elected officials and planning directors from the cities of Shoto, Whitefish, Colstrip, Polson, Billings, and Belgrade, as well as a representative from the Montana Association of Planners. More than a dozen proponents spoke in favor of Senate Bill 208, sponsored by Senator Jason Small, the Republican from Busby, including representatives of energy companies, restaurants, the building industry, and unions who said such bans would hurst their respective business sectors. Opponents said the measure was another attempt by the state to take local control away from city and county governments, which they said should have the freedom to make their own decisions. You need to allow local governments to make decisions on what they believe best for their communities. That's according to Ross Butcher, a commissioner from Fergus County. Small's bill would deny all local governments, including Fertis County, the ability to implement any ordinances, resolutions, or policies that either impede or prohibit the use of electric, natural gas, propane, or other energy sources provided by any utility provider. It would also bar the state from putting a prohibition or limitation on any energy source into the state building code. Back in January, a commissioner on the U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission 
suggested his agency would consider banning gas stoves to cut down on indoor air pollution. The commission's chairman then said two days later that was not under consideration. Congressman Wyand Zinke from Montana was among politicians who voiced outrage over the potential ban. He tweeted a graphic of a pot on a gas stove overlaid with the words, From my cold, dead hands, a line taken from the debate over firearms control. Berkeley, California was the first government in the country to ban natural gas hookups in new developments in 2019, saying it was a way to cut down on greenhouse gas emissions and harmful indoor pollutants. Other cities have followed suit, including San Francisco and New York City. At least 20 Republican-controlled states, including Idaho, Utah, and Arizona, have adopted preemption laws in response to those efforts. In Montana, residential and commercial emissions make up 8.8% of greenhouse gas emissions in 2020. That's according to the EPA. The state's largest greenhouse gas producers are the agriculture industry, 35.1%. Ian Lund, testifying in opposition on behalf of the Montana Environmental Information Center, said the emissions pose health and safety risks inside homes and businesses. He said gas stoves alone put significantly larger amounts of toxic gas into homes than electric stoves. The American Public Health Association said in a November report, gas stoves emissions cause risks of illness in vulnerable populations. Representative Derek Harvey, the Democrat from Butte, has objected to a hearing on a controversial bill that was scheduled with little notice. Quote, we really need to think about who we're here to serve and who we need to accommodate and that's the citizens of Montana, according to Harvey. An 8 a.m. hearing Monday on House Bill 303 to allow medical providers to opt out of procedures they disagree with was not scheduled until Friday afternoon. House rules normally require three business days notice for a hearing. In this instance, there was less than one. On a 15-7 to 7 party line vote, with Republicans in favor, the House Rules Committee affirmed that the Speaker can rule the hearing in order, even with inadequate notice. Representative Lori Bishop, the Democrat from Livingston, said even bill sponsors didn't get notice their bills were up for that Monday hearing until Friday late. As states plan how they'll spend the $25 billion remaining in federal COVID relief funds, there are criticism and renewed scrutiny over how they allocated money already received from the American Rescue Plan has been spent. Of the $198 billion authorized by Congress in 2021, $173 billion has already been spent by the states, the District of Columbia, and Puerto Rico. While much of the money went as was intended to deal with the COVID-19 public health emergency, including social programs for low-income communities, grants to help small businesses stay open, and pay for essential workers. But civil rights groups and think tanks have focused on economic and tax policy, and they point out that much money has gone to 
cutting taxes for high-income taxpayers, and funding initiatives completely counter to improving public health, such as Arizona's $163 million program to give grants to schools that didn't have mask mandates. The American Civil Liberties Union, in a letter earlier this month, requested that the Treasury Department investigate the misuse of ARPA funds. The Center on Budget and Policy Priorities, a nonpartisan research institute, has analyzed ARPA funding appropriations since 2021. In a January report, it says that states need to use the remaining funds to help the people most affected by the pandemic. According to the CBPP's data, capital construction made up 21% of the allocations. Montana, 79% of the funds went to capital construction projects. 23% of Florida's funds went to highway construction. The report notes that while spending on highways may help produce a stronger recovery, it is often poorly targeted to the communities that need help the most. At least 24 states, including Montana, are considering income tax cuts during their current legislative sessions. In Kentucky, the legislature has passed another cut in the personal income tax after the income tax rate was already taken down this year. In Kansas, North Dakota, and Ohio, lawmakers are proposing flat taxes, and political leaders in Arkansas, Indiana, Louisiana, and West Virginia want to get rid of personal income taxes altogether. That's according to the Institute on Taxation and Economic Policy. The flat tax proposal in Kansas would cut that state's budget by $1.5 billion. Those tax policy changes would hurt people most affected by the pandemic and weaken the impact of recovery funds. According to Aidan Davis, state policy director with the Institute on Taxation and Economic Policy. The report says that in the long term, states can either build off the benefits of recovery funds or suffer long-term consequences from cutting taxes for the wealthy. The top 10% of recipients of federal farm payments raked in more than 79% of the subsidies over the last 25 years, producing billions of dollars for a relatively small group of U.S. producers. That's according to an environmental group. The Environmental Working Group says the federal government paid more than $478 billion from 2015 to 2021 in farm support for crop insurance, disasters, conservation payments, and subsidies for, say, corn and soybeans. The top 1% collected 27% of the total subsidies, according to the report. The Trump administration changed how it reported farm subsidies, so it listed them by banks instead of individuals, making it harder to see who receives some of the larger payments. More than half of the farm subsidies over the last 25 years were commodity payments for corn, soybeans, wheat, cotton, and rice, according to the EWG database. Quote, based on what we do know, we can still see the most successful farm businesses are still collecting the lion's share of the subsidies, 
while the vast majority of farmers are getting little to nothing. That's according to Scott Faber, Vice President of Government Affairs at the Environmental Working Group. The largest subsidies were corn subsidies. In Iowa, the family farm that is managed by the son of Republican U.S. Senator Chuck Grassley received more than $1.4 million from 1995 to 2021. Those payments included disaster corn, soybean, and oat commodity subsidies. Pat Grassley, a state representative from Iowa and the senator's grandson, has collected $55,000 in federal payments since 2005. California is the most agriculture-producing state, according to the USDA, but is 11th on the list for subsidy payments. Pennsylvania, a major agricultural state, is 29th on the list with $3.4 billion. The biggest subsidy there is for dairy farmers, but 80% of Pennsylvania's producers do not receive any federal farm subsidies at all. Republicans who are displeased with the judiciary have pitched bills to change the judicial branch. Some members of the GOP think judges are too liberal, and some don't like their bills getting thrown out because they're unconstitutional. At a hearing Tuesday on House Bill 326, the sponsor, Representative Kerry Seekins Crow, the Republican from Billings, proposed a change to the way appointments are made to the Judicial Standards Commission. She said the way members get selected now is similar to the fox guarding the hen house. Here's how the commission is assembled now. District court judges elect two judges in an election. The Montana Supreme Court certifies that. The Supreme Court chooses an attorney, and the governor selects, and the Senate confirms, two citizens who aren't judges or lawyers. Seekins Crow said having the Supreme Court so heavily involved is a bad look, and she believes her bill would help the public regain trust in the judiciary. She said the commission chooses which cases to investigate, and she believes investigations can be partisan and decisions can be inconsistent. One problem with the commission, though, is that people misunderstand its purpose, according to opponents. One of the reasons that the sponsor wants changes is because of the number of complaints the commission dismisses, but it's about average compared to other commissions in other parts of the country. The issue is that people file complaints when they don't like the outcome of a case. They might disagree with the way a judge ruled in a divorce or on a constitutional question. But the commission isn't a place for them to appeal those outcomes, so the cases aren't accepted. The commission is supposed to handle allegations such as a judge handling a mental impairment or being drunk on the job. If you need to hear this report again, please check the podcast on our Treasure State Radio or KGRT-DB webpages. Made in Montana News is podcast worldwide with listeners now in 50 U.S. states and Canadian provinces, three Native American nations in 31 countries, six continents. We also post expanded versions of our stories on Facebook. Made in Montana News is heard on the Treasure State Radio Network, including KMEH, 100.1 FM in Helena, Elkhorn Mountains Radio in Jefferson County, 
Homegrown Radio in Bozeman, King West Radio in Billings, Rescast Radio Reservation, PIVA Radio of the Northern Cheyenne Nation, and Crow Res Radio of the Crow Nation. That's Made in Montana News. I'm Jay Scott. This is the Treasure State Radio Network.